Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the QuietMark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, CMO at QuietMark. And QuietMark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. Through scientific testing and assessment, QuietMark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors, including home appliances and technology, building sector materials and commercial sector products. I'm delighted to share that this week has been a particularly exciting week at QuietMark because this week in December 2021, QuietMark is announcing a new partnership with MBS, a leading construction data and specification platform to empower architects to specify acoustics first by providing a shortcut for specifiers to source responsible products. Since 2020, lockdowns and work-from-home policies have brought to light the importance of noise reduction in the environment, and this new partnership aims to support the responsible sourcing movement as the industry further prioritises health and well-being. So, just as our retail partnerships with retailers like John Lewis, Argos, Very, Curry's, well, they've helped consumers reduce unwanted noise in their homes by making QuietMark products easily sourceable on their websites. In fact, in a BBC News report last summer, John Lewis confirmed that they're receiving 10,000 QuietMark searches per month, with the demand for quiet products and appliances increasing during this work-from-home era. In a similar way, the 3,600-plus practices that use MBS to create specifications are now going to easily be able to find QuietMark-certified products and materials. The aim of this, of course, is to elevate the oral design of buildings, optimising the overall level of well-being and acoustic comfort for occupants. So in this episode, we really wanted to get closer to the subject of specification. How exactly do specifiers source the right products for the right building types? And as you're about to hear, there are few people as knowledgeable or as experienced as our guest on this episode, Jeff Fullerton, Department Manager at Intertech. When you visit the How QuietMark Certifies product page on quietmark.com, In addition to the wide range of testing that we do in our own QuietMark labs, you'll see some of the names of some of the specialist acoustic lab partners that we partner with in order to test, assess and certify our QuietMark certified products. Partners including Anderson Acoustics, Head Acoustics and Jeff's company, Intertech. In the About Us section of Intertech's website, they say... For more than 130 years, companies around the world have depended on Intertech to help ensure the quality and safety of their products, processes and systems. We go beyond testing, inspecting and certifying products. We are a total quality assurance provider to industries worldwide. Through our global network of -of state-of-the-art facilities and industry-leading technical expertise, we provide innovative and bespoke assurance, testing, inspection and certification services to customers. We provide a systemic approach to supporting our customers' quality assurance efforts in each of the areas of their operations, including R&D, raw materials sourcing, component suppliers, manufacturing, transportation, distribution and retail channels and customer management. Intertech is an industry leader with more than 43,800 employees in 1,000 locations in over 100 countries. We deliver total quality assurance expertise 24 hours a day, 7 days a week with our industry-winning processes and customer-centric culture. Whether your business is local or global, we can help to ensure that your products meet quality, health, environmental, safety and social accountability standards for virtually any market around the world. 
We hold extensive global accreditations, recognitions and agreements, and our knowledge of and expertise in overcoming regulatory, market and supply chain hurdles is unrivaled. And on Intertech's website, there's a page about our guest today, Jeffrey Fullerton, which says that he is the Acoustics Department Manager, Building Science Solutions, and Jeff has 20 years of experience providing acoustical consulting guidance to clients on local, regional, national, and global projects. His past projects include mixed-use facilities, entertainment venues, corporate and commercial buildings, single and multifamily residences, higher education buildings, government buildings, healthcare facilities, transportation terminals, and industrial plants. Jeff's passion for his work derives from a blend of his mechanical engineering education and many years of technical production experience backstage within performing arts centres. His consulting provides timely and high-quality recommendations that his clients value for the success of their projects. His involvement is frequently sought, not least of all by QuietMark, contributing as a team player and collaborating with others to accomplish the common goals of the projects. Welcome to the show, Jeff Fullerton. Thank you, Simon. And I gotta say, that sounds so much better with the British accent. <laughs> oh, they say in Hollywood that everything sounds better with a British accent, especially if you're a baddie, but there's nothing bad about me, I can assure you. You know, we talked about <laughs> 1,000 locations. You're in the Boston location, aren't you? Correct. Uh, we are in the heart of downtown Boston, and you're calling me on a day in November when it should be 70 degrees, so it's an unusually beautiful day. So, Jeff, when I um, speak to guests on the Quiet Mark podcast, and I'm very grateful to you for taking time to join us today, I always like to start at the beginning. And in your biography there, I read, I'm going to read it again, Jeff's passion for his work derives from a blend of his mechanical engineering education and many years of technical production experience backstage within performing arts centres. Tell us all about that. Sure. I, I was really fortunate when I started college at a university called Bucknell University in Pennsylvania. It was a wonderful experience. But on the first weekend, I was exposed to the opportunity to take a job in on the weekends and as a student. And the job that I was able to secure was actually at the Performing Arts Center working backstage. Mm-hmm. And it didn't dawn on me at the time. I I thought this was just to earn maybe some money for the weekends and uh, (laughs) be able to enjoy myself with a little extra cash. But over time, I learned that it was actually an opportunity for me to start to relate my mechanical engineering studies with production and how an artistic event actually relates to a lot of science. And so working the soundboard at these uh, basically a concert hall designed very much like Symphony Hall, but on a smaller scale, I learned that you could have a performance in that space that was maybe a lecture or faster-paced tempo music, but regardless of how loud you turn it up, it didn't matter because the reverberation in that space just didn't relate and work well with the type of performance it was. And so that experience, practical experience of trying to sort of fix a problem during a show by sort of managing the soundboard took me into my mechanical engineering studies and studying it further and actually earning a master's in acoustics to figure out why is it that making it louder doesn't solve the problem. And that's where it then tied into, gosh, you got to look at the reverberation in the space. You have to look at many more factors to make a production successful. 
And so, yeah, it was it was a phenomenal way in which um, I just happened upon my passion in studying acoustics. Oh, that's amazing. I can relate a little bit. I was a drummer in a band, Jeff, and uh, I remember one gig I did. It was in an aircraft hangar. <laughs> in, oh, uh, gosh. Uh, it was during, dare I say, you know, going, this will date me a bit, uh, the, the first Gulf War. And there was this gig in an aircraft hangar and uh, my band were sound checking. And when I hit the bass drum, I could hear what I the, the pedal I kicked pretty much two seconds later. And I thought, this is going to be impossible to play in here. But they said, don't worry, there's going to be over 2,000 Marines in this place later on tonight. It's going to be fine. And sure enough, they absorbed a heck of a lot of sound and the place sounded amazing. It was a really good gig. But I would I would wonder, with being in a theatre, uh, I suppose accommodating for crowd size must be something you have to take into consideration, isn't it? Well, it is, and that's actually accounted for in the design of the space. And so the design of the space, even with accounting for the crowd, still would like a hall of that size, again, very much like Boston Symphony Hall, to sound reverberant and rich and supportive for orchestral performances, which would like a longer reverberation time. And so that is the really tailored uh, design of the space. The unfortunate thing is it was the biggest space on campus. And so when you had a performer that you wanted a lot of students to attend, it didn't matter what the acoustics were of the space, you held the event there. And so um, things like a lecture, I, I had the chance of seeing Jimmy Carter talk about his work post uh, his presidency. And it was a wonderful event to hear him talk, but it's a space that didn't lend itself to the speech clarity of really hearing his words clearly. You had to really pick it out amongst all the reverberation and the echo. So again, beautiful space, amazing space for orchestras, but again, a use that wasn't tailored for the typical use of the programs that they had. And again, just a wonderful opportunity for me as a student to start to piece together the practical realities with the theory that I was learning and sort of make them uh, more understandable. You've worked across a wide range of uh, building types, as we read in your introduction. But in layman's terms, how would you describe to someone what it is that you do, please, Jeff? Well, we work closely with owners, designers, and uh, users of spaces that are built for them to tailor those projects to meet their acoustical needs. And some of them might be for creating better privacy and better isolation from two spaces. If uh, an activity that they don't want to hear is occurring next door, we can help them design the assemblies that might separate them from that. Mm -hmm. We might design for something like a concert hall where we're designing for better sound within the room where the sound is being heard and produced. Mm -hmm. Or we may be designing for quiet and right. um mechanical systems, building systems, all sorts of things go in to make buildings work. But those systems often have a noise or vibration aspect to them. And many times, if it's not considered, you may end up with a, let's say, mechanical system that's delivering airflow and keeping people cool or warm. But you don't want to do it in a way that's introducing noise, that's blocking speech in classrooms. You don't want it interrupting recordings in performing spaces. And you don't want residents to be bothered by that, let's say, 
elevator that they just traveled up to get to their residence on the top floor of a building when that elevator has to go back down and pick up somebody else. And so it's um, things like that that we help design better so that clients can have a project that they do feel comfortable and can enjoy the spaces they're in. Now, let's look at that feeling comfortable phrase that you just used there. What you described in your answer there was was great. And I heard um, soundproofing on some uh, elements, uh, you know, sound improving, tuning these spaces to their needs. And, you know, you took down that tuning is geared towards achieving a feeling of comfort. On other shows that we've uh, done in the, in the Quiet Mark podcast, we talked about psychoacoustics and sound is very subjective. We've heard people talk about if you're designing the acoustics for a, a law firm, which where you want some sort of quiet because people are developing laws or studying cases, it could be a very different acoustic setup in a law firm to say an advertising agency where or a telesales place where you want sort of liveliness and in some sort of buzz in the space to sort of keep the energy up. Is that true of what you do in terms of tuning the space according to the end user? Very much so. And so there are all sorts of guidelines and um, criteria that are out there for us to consider. But gosh, we always have to take a step back and see whether those guidelines fit the program that the space is actually being used for. And while there may be cases where those guidelines are a perfect fit, I mean, Classrooms should be quiet, and classrooms really want to be designed to the guidelines for that. We're also finding those guidelines are really intended for a traditional classroom where the teacher is at one end and the students uh, sit in sort of a lecture format. Yeah. And does that really work for a more dynamic situation where the students are maybe in groups at tables where they have to talk together And they may actually be the one talking to the classroom when they give a summary of what their group has studied. They're not at the front of the classroom. So do you really need the sort of focus of uh, sound projecting from where a teacher would stand in the front? Or do you need those acoustics to really just support everyone in the classroom in a way that's able to allow that dynamic education pedagogy that's used today. And so Mm. there's a lot of different ways in which um, the guidelines may have assumptions built into them that we always have to question and make sure those guidelines relate to the actual program that our clients are asking us to design for them. Give us some case studies of sort of the things that you have worked on, if you could, please, Jeff, some recent projects, maybe. So we're working on some fantastic projects that involve some really exciting and dynamic situations. The urban market is still developing in the American um, region in that properties, and I'll focus on Boston for a minute, Mm -hmm. properties in Boston that have been very expensive to develop are actually pushing developers to look at locations that they didn't want to develop on. And those locations can be close to transportation systems or in some cases over transportation systems. And those are introducing acoustical challenges that are just so exciting to work on because here's a situation where you might have a train that goes under a building and within that building, you also have the idea that, gosh, could it be a laboratory building or could it be a hotel? Could it be something that the acoustic signature of what is happening inside becomes a really critical 
uh, element of whether it's successful. And so those are projects that we're really enjoying. Um, and over my career, I've had the chance to work with um, individuals who might be residents in their own residential tower. Uh, well, not their own tower, but in their own residence within a tower. <laughs> and <laughs> the opportunity to work with them on challenges that they see in when they're living there, they pick up on noises that they may not be happy with. And we've had the chance to work on things. And I'll go back to the elevator example yeah. um, where they may hear an elevator that many other people in the building don't hear, but to them, it's keeping them up at night. And how do you solve this issue of a system that has to connect to the building? Because for life safety reasons, you don't want an elevator machine moving around. But how do you isolate that so it doesn't transfer the energy that it's producing to move people up and down from getting into the structure, getting into the ceiling of that residence where someone might have paid a substantial sum to be on the top floor? Mm. And so the the opportunities to work on those uh, instances, along with the very exciting opportunities to see, say, the subway where the noise is being generated and ask the question, can we solve it at the source rather than try to put band-aids between the source and where somebody's listening? Because um, if you can solve these problems at the source of the problem, mm -hmm. gosh, you've done so much to improve the conditions for not just your project, but maybe many other projects in the area. That's really interesting. And going back to your example where you talked about um, building in Boston, I'm interested to know in a process like that, are you sometimes looked upon as the guy, oh my God, the stuff you're adding to the quote to build this building, you've just made us a lot more expensive with all that soundproofing that you've just introduced and all those vibration mitigation systems. Oh, it's it's rare that we're not in that situation. <laughs> um, and when we are, when we find ourselves in the situation where we're saving money, I, I have to say, I really celebrate it and make sure everyone's aware of it. <laughs> oh, I can um, imagine. But you're right. Um, many of the things that we do are going to add cost if people haven't considered them. But it's just the same way that um, I guess you could think back 100 years ago. People were adding plumbing because we wanted toilets. <laughs> well, yeah, that cost more too. But isn't it a quality of life that we enjoy now? Precisely. And doesn't, hasn't it just become natural to have toilets and plumbing and we've accepted that cost? I, I would like to think at some point in the future – the acoustics will be part of what we expect. And the cost isn't additional, it's part of what we expect. Well, I would put it yeah. to you that the, the pandemic has accelerated that future coming towards us. I think yeah. that acoustics and mitigating noise and, and improving acoustics, that's really moved up the agenda in terms of design. You know, we're hearing uh, more buildings are being built to the well standard and to achieve well standard. One of those, one of their concepts is acoustics. You have to pass certain sound criteria to achieve well. It seems that sound isn't taking, playing such second fiddle to visuals as it was even a year ago is, is the feeling I'm getting. It might be because I'm doing this show, but how would you respond to that? I think you're 100% correct. And you could look at it from a couple different ways. I mean, we used to, uh, many of us used to go into offices and we'd have colleagues. We used to thought the office was noisy. Well, 
uh, a number of us, a small portion of us, have started coming back to the office. And boy, the office is much quieter now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is quieter. The, the difficulty is that when you do start having those colleagues come back, your stress is actually increased because those colleagues now are introducing the noise that you have grown accustomed to not having with you anymore. So yeah. it is interesting how that dynamic in the office space has changed. I think um, a lot of us, uh, a lot of people have been home 24 hours a day for seven days a week, mm. especially early on in the pandemic. We got to learn a lot about our house and learn a lot about the noises that occur in our house. And <laughs> whether it's the neighbors who happen to do their lawn, whether the neighbor who likes to use a leaf blower for many more things than you ever imagined a leaf blower <laughs> could be used for. I mean, it's just phenomenal, our ability to have been observant to things that we didn't have before. And in many ways, there were positives. The traffic died down and you were able to hear the birds and you were able to see wildlife that came into areas that they would never come into because human activity was just too busy. So mm -hmm. wonderful things. On the other side, there are those who had to visit hospitals. And when you're in the hospital, I think people also learned that acoustics plays a real key to the recovery and the ability to get out of the hospital. And it's interesting. I, I unfortunately had an experience where I did go to the hospital for a while while we were um, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And my ability to sleep was really impacted, not because it wasn't too quiet or not because it was um, too loud, but actually because my room was so quiet, I could hear all the activities around me. Mm. And so I actually looked forward to having some background sound that I thought was pleasant in the room to be able to cover those intruding noises and be able to really rest up and recover and uh, get my family out of there. And so it, it was quite an experience in so many ways for so many people whether it was your work environment, whether it was a home environment, whether it was a unique environment. Um, I, I think the pandemic really opened our eyes to how acoustics factors into our lives and the quality of our lives. I'm going out to dinner with friends tonight and I'd like to talk to you about hmm. the, the dining experience because when I read the building types on your uh, on your CV there, you've, you've gone through them all. But, and restaurants, let's, let, let, me, let me ask you about this, you know, as for, we know that it was all chalkboards and concrete surfaces and really reverberant before the pandemic. Um, the thought of going to a, an echoey restaurant now, to me, I, I, I don't think I'd want to go. <laughs> Is restaurant design changing as well, do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think all those echoey restaurants were fantastic when the pandemic was so um, present and you could go and there was nobody else there. <laughs> it, was, it was actually a wonderful restaurant to be in. Um, but you're right. There is that condition where the acoustics haven't been considered or they've been considered in a sort of non- helpful way. Uh, I, I have to admit that um, I've worked on restaurants where the restaurateur has described to me that he wants a lively restaurant. Right. He wants the buzz and the excitement because that draws people in and mm. has people feel as though this is an exciting place I want to be at. Unfortunately, it gets to the point where that buzz and excitement can build up to levels where you have to lean over to communicate with your 
person you're with, and whether it's your partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's a colleague. And that's when it becomes detrimental to your ability to enjoy, I, I would think. Although um, you might say that after about 10 p.m. at night, there are a lot of younger people who go to these restaurants that are very loud. That Maybe that's the purpose that they want. <laughs> they get a little closer. They get a little more intimate. <laughs> um, maybe there's a purpose to that. But um, I would say that restaurants in general, taking into account the acoustics can make it a more favorable, enjoying experience. Restaurateurs also say that I don't necessarily want them staying here for three hours enjoying themselves. That doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> so right. um, I've heard the idea that loud acoustics are actually helpful to keep people moving through the restaurant. So it's it's really interesting to work with restaurateurs and see what they are wanting to tailor the sound for. Because I think there are different ways in which they see that loud may not be bad for them Although I, I I have to say, almost to a T, every person I've spoken with would say, I don't like loud restaurants, and yet they still go to them. Loud restaurants are still busy and popular in a lot of cases. And I, I worked on two restaurants uh, in the last 10 years, and um, I was so excited to work with these restaurants. These were beautifully designed restaurants mm -hmm. by designers who just did these wonderful visual creations. Uh, one had this undulating wooden ceiling that was just phenomenal. Wow. And we were able to go in and create a more absorptive environment that controlled the buildup of noise and actually made it more enjoyable. I found the restaurant went out of business six months later. I worked at another restaurant, and it mm. was a very low-ceiling restaurant. Um, people would go in there after work, and it was very exciting. Again, after we treated it with some wonderful treatment, you you would walk in there and not even know the treatment was there. That restaurant closed after six months. <laughs> and so mm. I, I do sort of hear what the restaurateurs are saying from those experiences, although I have had people come back to me and say, you know what? The food was never really good at those restaurants. <laughs> so wow. I don't know that it was the acoustics closed them. But I do question, after seeing those two experiences, maybe the restaurateurs are somewhat right. And there's a balance we need to strike where we're not necessarily making it too quiet and not making it too sort of, I, I don't like using the word dead, but too dry. Mm. Maybe we do want a little bit of buzz to create that excitement, mm. but we don't want that buzz to get so out of control that people can't go in and enjoy themselves. And the worst situation about a bad restaurant is, that's too loud is for the staff. I oh, would not want to be somebody who works for eight hours in a restaurant where you have to scream at people to give their them the menu and <laughs> listen so closely to receive what their orders are uh, for a restaurant uh, for a restaurant staff to have to be exposed to that for so long that does concern me that um, there's the potential for hearing damage but mm. um, again many people don't think of that and um it's, again, sort of the extreme of how bad restaurants can be, whereas most of us go in for maybe two hours and we do get exposed to high levels of sound, but we get to leave and uh, sort of go on with our day. Um, so, yeah, restaurants are an interesting challenge, and I, I think there is a balance in there that one wants to strike. Interesting. I'd like to ask you then, do you get involved in the specifications of the materials that build the spaces that you're working on? Because you're tuning them in so many different ways, as we've just heard. 
We do. And so that's the key of our consultancy is to basically help people understand here is your acoustical challenge that you're facing and here are the ways, whether it's through the design and the assembly of materials or through the selection of materials that you can solve that concern. And I guess I like to think that all acoustical products work in some way. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is that many people see acoustics on a product and think that's what I need. Right. But yet they don't understand whether that acoustics means it's absorbing sound and controlling the din that can build up within a space. Mm -hmm. Or does that acoustics mean it's a barrier that helps block sound? Or does that acoustics term mean that it has some other functionality? And so if every product is doing an acoustical purpose, as a consultancy, I hope we're helping you tell which purpose it's trying to solve because you can easily select a product that says acoustics on it right. and it may not do anything that's going to help you. And so that's where I think the education of the consumers, even the designers, the users, all of that is so critical to really understand the science that's gone into that product and making it work for the application that it's suitable for, to work in but also understanding where the application of that product may not be appropriate. Interesting. And so do you then sometimes sit side by side with the interior designer or the architect who's got a, uh, a visual goal for what they want the space to look like, but you're coming to it from the acoustic solutions point of view and you're choosing fabrics and materials and furniture and light fittings and acoustical products which um, satisfy the visual aesthetic but nevertheless provide the acoustic solution? Is that sort of a symbiotic relationship that you have with the visual designer? It is. And it's so funny because we had this discussion just yesterday as we're looking at new candidates to join our team. One of the things about um, people who are joining us who are maybe junior colleagues who are just starting in the industry, I often tell them one of the hardest things about acoustics is not how much sound absorption or how much material you need to put into an assembly. That's that's the technical side. That's really easy. We can put numbers to it and we can do the analysis to arrive at what that answer is. And it's pretty straightforward. The challenge is how do you make that work for the visual appearance and make it so that it actually satisfies so many other concerns along with how do you make it so it's cost effective for the project? <laughs> and so, quite a juggling act. Exactly. <laughs> and our biggest challenge isn't necessarily the technical side. The technical side is the fun part um, because we get to use what we've learned in our education and past projects. But the creativity often comes in how do you take that technical goal that you're trying to achieve? and actually satisfy the visual and there may be fire concerns with it. For someone like yourself, Jeff, how do you keep abreast of what looks great and sounds great? Well, and that's the challenge. In, in a lot of ways, we as consultants are so... Um, it, we need to focus on the fact that while we specialize in a very small field of research and knowledge, 
we actually have to know a lot about so many other things. And whether it's the mechanical systems, whether it's the fire concerns, whether it's the building envelope concerns, um, those are all just so important for us to understand so we can help arrive at a solution that's going to work. Um, this discussion actually reminds me of a <laughs> wonderful book by a local author called Deaf Architects and Blind Acousticians. And he basically highlights the fact that the architects aren't thinking about the acoustics and quite frankly, the acousticians are not thinking about the visuals. And so we have to bridge that gap in order to make these successful. And it's always so fun to see a project where you walk into it. It looks wonderful. It sounds wonderful. And you wouldn't point at why either is working the way it is. Um, it just it works because it's been integrated so completely and um well that it's just successful so but yes it's it's one of our challenges and one of the reasons why you could have an education and a master's and a doctorate in acoustics <laughs> and still have a really tough time working with architects <laughs> because it's you haven't bridged that gap between what you're trying to accomplish with your sound and what they're trying to accomplish in many other ways So, Jeff, when I was in Boston, I went to a sandwich shop called Pret-a-Manger, which is very popular in the UK. Do you know Pret-a-Manger? Yes. Right. Okay. So, interesting thing that I read during the pandemic about Pret-a-Manger. It was said that before the pandemic, their motto was "Follow the skyscrapers." Um, one of the busiest areas <laughs> in yeah, one of the busiest areas in London is King's Cross Station, and there were eight Pret-a-Mangers within five hundred yards of King's Cross Station at all sort of different points of the compass. And to clarify that, you know, there were four Pret-a-Mangers in the whole of the country of Wales. But this article I read, wow. the, the CEO said, our motto is no longer follow the skyscrapers. With the advent of work from home, our motto is now follow where the people are at. Okay, And so they said yeah. that it's more likely that you'll find a Pret-a-Manger on a local neighborhood high street where you'd never have found one before because there were no skyscrapers. It wasn't an office space, but it's certainly a residential space. And I'd like to know if that story resonates with you in any way in what you're doing in terms of the, the work from home boom. Well, I love that discussion because um, that would explain why so many of them have closed in our downtown area here, um, unfortunately, during the pandemic. Oh. Um, but I would say the interesting thing about that approach is that that is introducing some of the sort of densification that we're seeing where people's lifestyles and all of their aspects of their life are really coming together in a lot of ways. Mm. And it's exciting because if you can sort of be at your home, be productive with your work. You can walk to where you want to get your groceries. You can walk to your restaurants. And maybe you can even walk to your fitness facilities. All of that is just so helpful, particularly in this idea of global warming and climate change. Yep. We can reduce our footprints and really just make everything more efficient. At the same time, it's a really interesting aspect that can introduce acoustical challenges. And so that densification of living in your home, having your work be at your home, and oh, by the way, your neighbor is working from home too, but he happens to be someone who has to play a tuba. 
And <laughs> well, that doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> um, and that densification might also lead to that fitness center being directly over your apartment. Well, mm. I'm not sure that's exactly the greatest thing either. And that densification might lead to that favorite restaurant where you love to go hear the guitarist play being right below you. And in America, that guitarist might play until one in the morning, by the way. Oh, so, <laughs> so it's those interesting things that we're seeing a lot of trends toward people trying to have their lives be in a smaller area and the urban centers being much more engaged and allowing people to have a lifestyle that is lower carbon, lower energy. And that introduces a lot of acoustical challenges in some cases that we often have to see, how do you make that work? And so for us as consultants, the creativity and the opportunities to create solutions is just fantastic. We've got so many manufacturers who are making fantastic products for isolation, for absorption. Mm -hmm. There are solutions out there. And I, I think it goes back to our discussion earlier about have we assumed the budget for those to be able to integrate them and make this all work? Because I think it is a, an awesome goal. I, yeah. I, I love the idea of being able to lower your carbon footprint and have your lifestyle be in a smaller area. But gosh, it does introduce some challenges. Oh, Jeff, it's been so lovely listening to you today. I really appreciate the time that you've taken to join us on the show and tell us about what you do and the work of Intertech. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Simon. It's been wonderful to be part of this and uh, just wonderful to hear all the work that Quiet Mark is doing and the opportunity to talk with you about our activities. Oh, I really appreciate it. You take care. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Jeff at Intertech for taking the time to join us on the Quiet Mark podcast and share such a wealth of knowledge and experience. As I mentioned at the start of the show, QuietMark and MBS have announced a strategic partnership to prioritise well-being in buildings through noise reduction. And if you head over to NBS Source, which can be found at source.thembs.com, you can browse by categories or manufacturers. And when you browse by category, you could search hand dryers, for example. And in the left-hand navigation menu, you'll see QuietMark listed there. And when you click on that, you'll find models by brands including Dyson and PHS Warner Howard. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quiet Mark podcast. We've got some amazing guests lined up in the pipeline. Last week, I enjoyed recording an episode with Juko Erpalati, who is the general manager at Vetraspace Limited. Based in Finland, but distributing globally, Vetraspace manufacture beautiful soundproof office pods and phone booths, modular spaces which are perfectly well designed for the new era of the office space. And when I spoke to Juko, he was talking to me live, thankfully from one of his booths, because he was at an event called Slush in Helsinki, attended by 8,000 people. So it's just as well he was in one of their soundproof office pods because it kept the noise of the crowd out. I hope you can join us again for the Vetraspace episode and for future episodes of the Quiet Mark podcast. Take care and bye-bye.